1988, Miran Karimi Nasiri unexpectedly becomes a prisoner. But not in a jail cell of any kind or in max security detainment. This is a different type of entrapment. Nasiri is a prisoner that is stuck in a bizarre legal limbo filled with lies, lost paperwork, and a whole lot of McDonald's. This is based, biased, or VS. to the podcast where two best friends tell one true story. My name is Maddie. And I'm Zach. And this is Based, Biased, or BS. BBs. Welcome to the show. I wanted to let you say it for once. Thank you. I did want to say it. I did want to say it. Okay, wait. Before you say <laughs> another thing, I did want to do another thing. That's going to feel weird. Okay. I just wanted to explain the show one more time randomly. If anyone clicks on this episode for whatever reason as their first time, they're like, what's going on? We never explain it. So maybe one time I will. And here we go. Okay. <laughs> based by CBS, every week we take a look at a movie that's based or claims to be based on a true story. Or true events. Or true people. Or true animals. <laughs> we do do animals sometimes. And this episode, the situation is Maddie's watched a movie, The Terminal. Yes. Not The Terminator. No, I would never. Either the correct one? Yeah, The Terminal. Okay. And I've done the research on the true story. And uh, he's going to tell me about it after I tell him a little bit about the movie. Some fun facts. Yeah. I mean, I meant to say film facts. I'm sorry. Well, they're fun. They are usually fun. Sometimes they're scary, though. Okay, but before that, though, I did... Okay, yeah. I don't know if you caught it. In the intro, what? I was trying to give off, like, my best, like, flight attendant voice. <laughs> no, I didn't catch it. Sorry. Okay. I didn't catch that. Oh. Okay. I just, like, wanted to know, like... I feel like flight attendants have oh, been, like... I forgot my... we were going to planes. I forgot all about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, why is she talking about flight attendants? I get it. I'm there. I, was, I understand. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. I blacked out. Okay. It's okay. I was just curious because I feel yeah. like lately I've been seeing a lot of flight at flight attendant content on my oh. social media. Okay. And have you ever wanted to be a flight attendant? Because for some yes. reason, I see it. Yes. I've wanted to be a flight attendant for sure. I have a friend who is a flight attendant and it looks very fun. It seems like a very you job, like a very you job. It's very Sagittarius. It's a very okay. Sagittarius act of flying to different cities every day, not For having like, a stable home and just being able to pack up and go. Well, and I, I was also thinking the like, you don't have to think about what you're wearing because your clothes are given to you, but it's always you looking good. <laughs> True. People are looking at you and like interacting with you and watching you do your little safety <laughs> performance. It is just all performance at the end of I the know. day. I <laughs> know. And like you, I feel like you'd be so runway. good at being the flight attendant that's like, you're not going to talk to me that way, sir. 
Oh, yes. Like, I love to give passive-aggressive customer service. As I was watching this movie, I was like, Zach could live in this world. <laughs> <laughs> I would thrive. I know. I would thrive. I always love being in airports, except the last airport I was in, which was with, was with you. It was horrible. It was a horrible, tiny airport. I've never been in a tiny airport before. It, this airport was so small, they didn't have room for us to go through security because there were too many people on the other side. Right. It was like we were all in one big room divided by the security like checkpoint yeah. and half of it was people who had already gone on security and the other half was us waiting in line. Yeah. It was horrible. Horrible. I hated it. Because I've always been near big cities that have just gone to big airports. Yeah. This was not a big airport. No, I hated it. I can't even think about it anymore. Okay, I was going to also ask you that, but then I realized our most recent your most recent flying experience was that. So I was like, I ooh, do we want to bring You that don't up? want to bring up the trauma. <laughs> because I was also at an airport recently and my dog flew with me. Oh yeah. You told me about that and it was good. Yeah. He's so, I love it. he did so well on the plane. I was like, "Wait. Can we go everywhere together?" <laughs> Maybe you would <gasps> Wait, you could be able to fly, be a flight attendant with a doggy. I could. As long as my dog is allowed to also have a matching uniform. Yes, must. And like interact would interact with the dog dogs on the plane. <laughs> there were a lot okay. of dogs on the plane. In the movie? Oh, in, in the film. In, or in, in my in life. Real life. <laughs> I've never seen I was like, have dogs always been allowed on planes? Yeah, I I don't go on many planes, so I couldn't tell you. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> tell me about this movie. Yeah, so the terminal yeah. is the Wait, 2000 yeah before we get there yeah on the movie last episode you told me you had never seen it and that shocked me why is that shocking i still like i'd never heard of this movie i never seen this movie what? you knew of this I movie i don't know if it's just a my family thing or whatever but this was one of the vhs tapes we definitely had mm. so i had watched this movie many times Never in I my life. I never knew it was based on a true story at all. Really? When you said you hadn't seen it, I was shocked. I am also, after watching it, a little bit shocked. Because I was like, this does seem like a movie would be playing in my house yeah. growing up. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. So I got to watch <laughs> The Terminal for the first time. It came out in 2004. It's listed as a comedy, drama, romance film okay can you have all three i mean you can in this case because <sighs> we've got our star tom hanks mm-hmm. Catherine zeta jones and stanley tucci i did not know he was in it i forgot about him yeah i was shocked when he graced my screen in the best way some other notables are zoe saldana saldana oh i was like what are you doing here <laughs> and Diego Luna, who was also in Milk, which we covered oh, a while ago. Previously. Yes. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Which I was like, is this our first Spielberg? It is. That's kind of crazy. It's a big movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it earned $219 million worldwide. Whoa. However, it did not receive any major nominations. Really? Yeah. And I was especially shocked at that because 
Tom Hanks was great in this movie. And like, that's mm-hmm. one of the things I saw was that there was an overall appreciation for Tom Hanks. And actually, I don't have a specific review for you today because every review I read was Tom about Hanks Tom is Hanks. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the summary for you. Tom Hanks is great. <laughs> what was the like genre of film in your words? I know you read one, but what was it was kind of like family friendly? Yeah, family friendly. I would say family friendly. And it felt a little on the mature side just because of the like nature of the predicament, I guess. Mm, And like the way it's set up in the movie. Yeah, it was it was still great. So Tom Hanks is is the protagonist, Victor Narvorsky from the country of Krakosia. Yeah. We can are we gonna talk about Krakosia? Are you do you want me to talk about that? You can say the you can say the fact. So about it's not the real. Yeah. It's a made up country, which Correct. once I found that out, I was like, okay, do feel better in general about this movie, knowing that this is not a specific country, I guess. Yeah. But the way they spoke about it, I was like, that has to be real. <laughs> <laughs> that feels real. However, that's not our setting, because our setting is an airport terminal, where Mm -hmm. we meet the gorgeous flight attendant, Amelia Warren, also known as Catherine Zeta-Jones. Now, I have to say something about this woman. Okay. You don't know who she is. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I'm the one who doesn't know people. Yeah. My, I think, I've never spoken about this or had it confirmed, but I think my father had a big crush on her. Like, he just loved her. So okay. I had any movie she was in was in my house. Entrapment, All right. I used the word earlier, Entrapment, she's in that, in my house. <laughs> Catherine is all over your house. Love her. Great. Stanley Tucci. And she was also in Chicago. Oh, Yeah. She was in Chicago. Pod mother? Pod mommy. Pod mommy. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of pod mommies and daddies, I think we should add to the list of pod daddies, Stanley Tucci. Yeah. I love Stanley Tucci. He's been my celebrity crush forever. Yeah. Him in the Hunger Games, perfect. Perfect. The start for me was definitely Devil Wears Prada. Oh, absolutely. And Easy A. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Strong yep. daddy energy. Yeah, for sure. He's obviously... What does he play in this Frank film? Dixon, a customs oh. and immigration official, mm. a.k.a. our antagonist. Yeah. And then Zoe Saldana is Dolores Torres, an immigration officer, while Diego Luna plays Enrique Cruz, a food service truck driver. Okay. Although Mr. Steven Spielberg tried to find a real airport to film in, they hmm. wound up having to create one in a former airplane hangar. And it was built Got to it. code with three sets of working escalators. <gasps> wow. Budget. Yeah. It had stores with working cash registers and ovens and real brands occupying them. Wow. And it took 16 weeks to build and was 75,000 square feet. <gasps> they built a real little airport. Yeah. Terminal. Yeah. That's, That's ridiculous. Amazing. 
it's Spielberg. You're like... Yeah, well, he's going to do whatever he wants. You can't find one? Well, let's make one. Exactly. So I said earlier that Victor's from Krakosia. He actually speaks mm-hmm. Bulgarian. Okay. So that's a real language. It is. Why are you saying Correct. it with a question? <laughs> <laughs> it is a real language. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. So like overall, I really like this movie. It was like nostalgic in the in the like time it teleported me to. I do think it, yeah. it didn't give me a solid. Maybe it did give me a date. I feel like we were in the eighties or nineties. Yeah, eighties, eighties, and I like I kind of like the eighty vibe, eighties vibe. Mm-hmm. However, this movie was two hours and eight minutes long, and I oh. did feel that. <laughs> but i but i think most of that is because of the the set because you're in one place for so long that it's hard to feel time pro- progress but that's mm-hmm. maybe the point like true it, that's probably what that person felt the entire time like that's a nightmare being trapped at, the, at an or delayed at an airport is literally my nightmare yeah so it's so scary i hate it that's what I got for you on Film Facts. Wow. I'm glad you really like the movie because yeah. I love it. I haven't watched it probably in like, since I've lived in my childhood home. So who yeah, knows Yeah, since when, you saw but... Catherine on the VHS. <laughs> yeah, with my dad in the background. No. Oh, God. Sorry. Just I hope sorry. he doesn't I listen. make it weird. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> okay, should we jump right into our story? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I have to preface everything first. Okay. With the little statement. First of which, every single character you mentioned, fake. What? <laughs> like, names-wise. I don't have anyone's names okay. that are those. Second off, I have to start off with the fact that some or all, maybe, of my facts that I have for you today could all very well in the future be proven not true. Wall? I don't know. There are many versions of the story that I saw online and also many things that it happened a while ago. So many things that were stated or published as fact have since been proven incorrect. Mm. So I feel like I there's don't really know what there's a possibility of things that I say won't be true. Okay. Maybe in the future if people investigate this more. Um, so I just wanted to start with that. I'm going to kind of tell and piece together what this main protagonist says their story is, um, as well as kind of pop in with fact-checked pieces from other people. Okay. There's also like mental illness at play at some point here. So the story kind of changes and we'll kind of, I guess we'll kind of piece together what we think happens. Okay. Just so, bear with me. All right. <laughs> So, we're going to start in the year 1988 with All right. M- Mehran Narimi Nashiri. That is a name I never heard. <laughs> I <laughs> suspected that. He's our main character. He goes by many names, which I'll kind of talk about um, in just a second here. But the main names I'll call him f- from his real name are going to be Nasiri. Not okay. his real name, but his legal name. Um, Nasiri. That's not far from Navorsky. Okay. That's his last name? The mm-hmm. other man? Yeah. Got it. Tom Hanks? 
Yes, sir. He finds himself stuck thousands of miles away from his home country of Iran. Okay. So that's the country mm-hmm. that is the real country. Kokoja, Iran. Kokoja. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like, what's that fake place from the um, Princess Diaries? Gen- Genovia. Genovia, Kokoja. <laughs> Wait, but Tom Hanks spent so much time correcting people on how to say it. It's not he, real. He really sold it. <laughs> Congrats to him. Didn't end up in a nomination, though, I guess. Awkward. So our real man, Nasiri, is stranded in an enclosed building. Yeah. No direct sunlight, no fresh air, almost acting out the role of a prisoner, and yet Sir Alfred, as he prefers to be called. Okay. So sometimes I'll say Nasiri, sometimes I'll say Sir Al- sir alfred same person got it he is no real prisoner at all he's simply a traveler and today begins his year-long stay at the charles de gaulle airport in paris france where was your airport Mm. in the movie my airport was jfk (laughs) american american there was a lot of new york in the plot so we're off to an interesting start. Yeah, no. We are in Paris, France. Our main character, Nasiri, a.k.a. Sir Alfred, is from Iran. Mm-hmm. So. And great. You Are you ready? I, 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 I'm already confused, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, my, the movie starts at the airport, but not okay. with, not yet with our main character. It's just kind of giving you an overview. Of, of what a general airport the feeling is. And what Stanley Tucci, the immigration officer's job is. Mm. Which is to spot who's a fake, who's try- who is going to have fake papers, who's trying to get in here illegally. Got it. That becomes definitely a plot point. Okay. So what's going on here? Why is he stuck in an airport? Where do we go? Well, to figure out why, guess where we're going to go? Where? The beginning? To the beginning. Twink, twink, twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. Now <laughs> you have to me. do it. Oh. oh, God, cut that, <laughs> cut that, cut that, cut that. I'm so okay. sick. Don't use that. Go. So even though the movie doesn't talk about this, we're going to go back to where Nasiri is from and everything about him. So he was born in a small settlement located in Mashed Solam, Iran okay. in 1945. Couldn't find an exact date just the year so this settlement is like a british owned settlement in the country so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of british people around him but he is born of iranian descent got it his father abdel karim was an iranian doctor working on that same settlement in which nasiri grew up which allowed him and his family a wealth that was uncommon in the region. Okay. Uh, Nasiri claimed in his autobiography that he was the result of an illegitimate affair and that his birth mother was actually a nurse from Scotland who worked with his father. Okay. I got nothing to disprove it. Well, Nasiri has stuff to disprove it himself because he's also claimed that his mother was Swedish in other accounts, in other interviews. 
So there's no evidence that I could find to support either of these claims. Actually, the opposite. According to many sources, it's more likely that Nasiri's mother was an, was an Iranian woman who worked in the home. Okay. It's not really important to the story, but I just tell that so you understand what I'm working with and what I'm kind of piecing together to create sure. the story. A lot like, of times the p- facts that I got from the autobiography from him were then disproven disproven in the articles written so about it's like him. how do you tell his life right. story if he's telling a different story right usually when i find that the autobiography source or something written by the person i'm like perfect this is kind of all i need but not so in this one i feel okay he is a special man yeah a special case so we had to dig a little deeper and hopefully we got maybe a bigger picture of the story So that's basically what I could compile of the childhood, and he doesn't really pop back up on any official paperwork until age 28 in September of 1973, when he arrived in the United Kingdom to take a three-year course in Yugoslav studies at the University of Bradford. Upon completing his studies, his student visa then ends, and so he returns back to Iran in 1976. Got it. So he's kind of a traveling man, and because he grew up on this British embassy kind of station, he is used to people, like, going to the UK, flying back, that kind of travel. Mm. Even though it seems far, it's kind of, like, normal for him. We're back in Iran, and when later questioned, Nasiri says that he participated in protests at Tehran University against the current Shah and Iranian government. Good for him. Any flashbacks or any deja vu? Well, anything about his past had to do with his dad and his love of jazz musicians. So (laughs) I just feel like that's opposite of where we're going. Okay. Yeah, that's nothing about anything about what I'm going to say. What I was talking about, deja vu, if you recall back... Tehran University, I have talked about previously, the Shah and the Iranian government, aka these are the protests in Iran that later become the revolution. Argo? That we talk about in episode 20, Argo. He's in the same exact city. So, and what side is he on? He's a student. He's protesting with the students against the Shah. Yep. Got it. So... I say that, and it paints a clear picture, if you listen to that episode, of a very, like, war-torn city. Yeah. This is before that. This is not as extreme as that, but it is the same city, so it's the same energy feeling, just not as bubbled up yet. In fact, this is a protest that he rioted in that was students protesting a university, like, new regulation that I couldn't find what exactly it was. So it wasn't even like a government type protest. It was a school thing. So it wasn't as extreme as Argo. I just thought that was crazy that I was like, wait, then this later becomes the protest that the reporters get trapped in and then they have to get rescued by a fake movie. It's wild. We cover so many little pieces of history. It's funny when they overlap this closely. So back to Mr. Sir Albert. Okay. I'll explain the name. I will. I promise. Later. Didn't you already ask me about Sir Albert during the Young Victorian? 
<laughs> That's Prince Albert. Oh. That's a Prince Albert man. Oh. How dare you bring her back? <laughs> So he claims that because of his involvement in these protests, he was expelled from the country. The country, not just the school, the country. The country. Okay. In 1977. Okay. Though many people were involved in these protests at the school, which were involved, like I said, about a new school regulation, many were involved and no one else was deported from the country during this time. Just him. Yep. According to him. So media outlets like The Guardian tried to investigate his claims about this. And one important piece of info that they had a quote from was from an officer who actually was the one who questioned the students after the protests. And he said about Nasiri, quote, there is no confiscation of his passport and no deportation. Nevertheless, his claims were taken seriously at the time. And so after a tough legal battle, which involved applications sent to many countries seeking asylum, Nasiri was awarded refugee status by the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees in Belgium. Interesting. So Belgium is known as like the refugee country. He is awarded this refugee status. Okay. And he's given a place to go to. Got it. This would allegedly, remember, permit residents in many other European countries because they're part of the United Nations, or sorry, the EU, so he could live in other countries in Europe. Okay. After his initial deportations were verified and claimed true. So with this refugee status, like I kind of just explained, he was able to travel between the UK and France, but this all comes crashing down in 1988 when he is on his way to Brussels. His papers and documentation were lost when his briefcase was allegedly stolen in the airport. Maybe it was stolen, or also there are claims that Nasiri had mailed his documents to Brussels before getting on the plane. Like a, Being like, they're going to be there when I arrive. It'll be okay. okay. I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. Or maybe the reason this is confusing is because maybe he never had any of this documentation ever in the first place. And maybe he was just trying to illegally travel. Okay. Either way, <laughs> he arrives in London without any documentation. So the British immigration officers turn him away because they don't believe any of his stories about the stolen papers. Well, yeah. He just shows up and says, no, he shows up and says they were stolen. He literally has nothing. I'm here. Take me. (laughs) Yep. What is the feeling when, um, Tom Hanks, I can't even remember this man's name. He gets to the airport. Well, he's very excited because as I mentioned quickly before, his father is a lover of jazz musicians and he's on a mission involving that so he's like yes i'm finally in new york city i'm so happy to be in new york city i'm gonna complete this thing for my dad well no you're not because guess what happened while you were flying war broke out in your country there's new people taking over so you don't you don't you're not a citizen of your country anymore because it doesn't exist and you're not a citizen of anywhere so you have you're unacceptable 
and you can't go through this door. You can't leave. Oh. So there's um, a war? Yeah, no. No. So there's no war? There's no war. Okay, that does make me feel a little bit better because I was like, why didn't they learn about this in history class? <laughs> well, it was, was a fake like, country. Right. But I didn't know that at the when I was watching oh. the movie. So I'm watching this movie like, did I just sleep during this chapter <laughs> when there was this war that broke out in the 80s? And like, like how turned the country this? no more? Well, I didn't miss it. Okay. It's that makes fake. me feel better. Did the movie ever say like based on a true story? No. I did okay. notice that there was no yep. at the end or beginning. Okay. He's He goes to England. England. No papers. Without anything. And the officials and there are say, like, eh, 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 board that no. plane right back. Yeah. Turn yep. around, boy. So he has to board a plane and is sent back to France. What? I'm unsure of how he... If he Maybe was there was not a direct France. flight. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. Okay. Not me <laughs> like... coming up with theories on the fly. <laughs> I like that guess. He was sent back because maybe that was the reason or for whatever reason he's sent to France. Yeah. To specifically the Charles de Gaulle French airport in Paris where he was unable to prove his identity even or his refugee status. And so he was detained at the waiting area for travelers without papers. Yeah, in the movie, they put him in a, you know, those like things that stretch at airports. Like when you're making more lines for the like TSA airport line, there's like these belts that, yeah, scansions, yes. Mm -hmm. They put him in a box of scansions. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Of like, don't touch him. We don't know of what like, he is. Stay here. Just stay here in the scansion <laughs> box. No. Yeah. They had a specific area. I don't really okay. have a lot of details about it, but it was uh, probably just, it probably had a seat at least. It wasn't a roped off area. Okay. But here is where he stayed and waited because now he couldn't get on a plane without any passport or documents. Right. And if he left the French airport without a proper ID, he would be arrested as an illegal citizen. Mm-hmm. So he's trapped. He set up his luggage near a curved red bench on the ground floor of Terminal 1 of the Charles de Gaulle airport and waited some more. Yeah, there was a lot of waiting happening. Except that there was also a lot of shops. Well, I'll tell you off the bat, I didn't see no McDonald's. Oh, I'm as sad about that. I was like, that's such an easy thing to add. Burger King. Oh, I did see a little thing about Burger King. He didn't really like it. Well, that's all he ate in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Was it specifically like a plot point? Like he loves Burger King? No, but it was just the place he kept going to. He wouldn't order a specific meal because he also didn't speak English very well in the Mm -hmm. movie. So there was a language barrier happening with everything. And he had no money. So he also couldn't really pay for things but he had these quarters and then he'd just throw quarters down and they'd give him as much food as he had quarters. Paid for. Oof. He waited here and he slept every day. Um, he started to develop a routine so every mm-hmm. morning before the airport became busy he would go and use the bathrooms Yeah. and shave and wash up to quote ensure best presentation of self. Yeah, I saw Tom Hanks do that. He was bathing in the sinks. Yeah, exactly. 
walking through with a robe. Yep. Yep. I saw him in a robe. He said that, or he didn't say this, but the feeling I always got from him was that no matter what, he's always going to present himself well and he's going to like look clean. He really didn't want to like be one of those people who was like looking gross because he was always here all the time. Yeah, except Tom Hanks didn't sleep on a bench. He found a separate wing of the airport that was under construction and mm. made that oh, I his remember this. Like, home. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of romantic scenes there, right? With Catherine. He takes her there. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just let you know there's no romantic part of this movie. I assumed. <laughs> I was like, this is, no, there's no way. As a man stranded, like, scared for his life, like, then he falls in love. Who can barely speak English and has quarters to pay for fast food? Like, what? <laughs> During his long stay, he could be found day or night around the Paris Bye Bye Bar. A little, like, bar area. Yeah. That's the only thing I have about shops, kind of. Where he would be journaling, okay. listening to the radio, and smoking his gold pipe. Oh, because you could smoke indoors back then, yeah. Yeah. If he wasn't here, you'd certainly be able to find him eating a meal at McDonald's, which was bought for him by strangers. Okay. A lot of people, as he stayed there, he started to gain a reputation, and a lot of people liked to buy him food. Yeah, he made friends with the airport workers. So I mentioned that food cart man, also known as Diego. I believe his name is Diego. Wait, unless that's his last name. Food cart man. Enrique is the character. It was like, I'll give you as much food as you want if you help me get the heart of Dolores, a.k.a. Zoe Saldana. Oh. He's like, Was she another she's... worker at the airport? Yeah, she's an immigrant. She's someone who, immigration oh, yeah. officer, someone who had to like go, he would bring his paperwork to her every day and be like, can I go to New York City? And she'd be like, no, denied. You can't. Mm. Can you you want to guess what his favorite meal was at McDonald's? At McDonald's, yeah. Big Mac. Wrong. So ten wrong. Piece, ten piece McNugget. So wrong. Filet o fish. Filet o fish. I should have known a man after my own heart. A filet o fish. <laughs> I love a filet o fish. A yeah, filet o fish is so especially good and unhealthy for you if you open it up and just open a salt packet and put a salt packet on it. <laughs> It is already so salty. I need more. Oh my god. <laughs> it makes god. it so good. Do you have okay. cheese and mayonnaise on it? Yeah. And salt? And salt. <laughs> <laughs> Did you t- have a favorite bev? All I got was fish filet. Or I'm filet starving fish. for a fish filet now. Me too. Like grub. It's only six o'clock. Should we get some? Don't distract me. Mmm. <laughs> You could always see Nasiri, or what's his name? <laughs> what's his name? Just call him Sir Allen. It's <laughs> not even it. That's not even it. Albert. Oh. <laughs> okay. Just call him Sir Albert. You could always see Sir Albert sitting <laughs> on his bench. <laughs> Why'd you laugh at me? Reflective. This isn't a funny story. This man is locked in this airport. I'm sorry. Maddie, get it together. You could always see Sir Albert sitting on his bench, reflective, a deep thought in his eye, his ever-growing luggage. (laughs) What are you saying? 
I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes what I write doesn't make sense. Okay, you could always see him sitting on his bench. His luggage started to grow just because of as things like people gave it to him. Not actual luggage, but like he started to accumulate oh, sure. boxes of things, and people would start to give him books and stuff. He'd um, well wait because you said didn't he come with nothing or was it just no papers? No papers. He's, he okay. had luggage he with had a him. Suit. Okay, got it, got it. Got yeah, it. I think he had like three suitcases. But then as his time there Progressed, goes on, sure. he starts to get more and more things. Um, and because he writes in his diaries and his journals all the time, he's just so many notebooks. He has a lot of books. Not only was he stranded, but he arrived at the airport in the late 80s, which meant he didn't have a cell phone. And so as time progresses, he still doesn't have a cell phone. What do you do? What do you he, do when you're by yourself and you don't have a cell phone? What do you even do? He couldn't learn about what was happening around him. Or he, what was worse, he couldn't even Google like how to get out of this airport purgatory. And like get any help. He told people that he met that his name was Sir Albert. Okay. There's not a really big moment that I bring up mental illness, but you just have to imagine staying in an airport for years. I can't. It just would start to destroy you. Yeah, because you don't get to go outside at an airport. No. You don't get to lay down on a bed in an airport. Nope, it's all this like fake plasticky cushioned recycled that air. That everyone has touched. Mm-hmm. Nothing is like yours. That's why yeah. he kind of like sought out this red bench and just kind of made it his. It's like his mm. little home. Travelers would meet him for a couple minutes. Most people just walked right by him, but some stopped and had a conversation and he told them uh, his story. And, or at least they would, some would just like see him on the bench and then they would be shocked when they would later return like from their trip on the and airport he and he was the still bench. there. And then even more shocked when next year they go on vacation or they go on holiday and he's still in the same spot at yeah. the same airport. At this time, his pile of luggage and boxes, like I said, have grown all around the bench. He's older and he's in his mid 50s now. Wait, how long has it been? I'm kind of being vague about that to give you like oh, a okay. shocking moment okay. at the end. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, the serious case was later taken on by a French human rights lawyer, Christian Bourget, and attempts were then made to have new documents issued from Belgium. That was the country he got asylum with. But the authorities there would only do so if Nasiri presented himself in person. They said, come yeah. to Belgium We'll give you new documents, and then you can go about your traveling. Yeah, but how do you get to Belgium if you can't get on a plane? It was going to be arranged. Yeah, everything oh, was going to... Okay, they're like, okay. we'll give you a temporary boarding thing. Come here, we'll okay. give you stuff, and you'll be good, which sounds great. So in 1995, the Belgian authorities granted permission for Sir Albert to travel to Belgium, but only if he agreed to live there under the supervision of a social worker. I think I just explained that wrong. I should have read one more sentence. They would give him paperwork, but he had to live there. He couldn't travel just yet. Like out of Belgium, you mean? Out of Belgium, yeah. Got he it. He had to come back to Belgium, get his stuff, and be supervised. And like be, be supervised. there for a while. Yeah. Sure. 
Nasiri refused this on the grounds of wanting to enter the UK because he wanted to, he didn't want to go back to Belgium. Um, Both France and Belgium offered Nasiri residency. So even France said, you can come back here. Well, once you get your paperwork, but he refused to sign the papers as they listed him as being Iranian rather than British. And they did not show his preferred name, Sir Alfred Meran. Interesting. Obviously, that doesn't happen in the movie, but there is a scene with Stanley Tucci and Tom Hanks. And he's like, listen, we can get you out of here and get you papers and in front of a judge if you say that you are scared to go back to your country, if you have a reason to be scared. There's a war going on there, so aren't you scared right now? And he's like, okay. He's like, okay, I understand. I understand. Like, so are you scared? And he's like, no. They're like, you what? But just, okay. So you're not scared to go home? No, I'm scared of this room, but I'm not scared of home. Like, he just, like, didn't do it. That's kind of the closest, I guess, mental health thing I would say I saw movie-wise. Oh, that kind of sounds like but a it's not even it's more just like a language barrier language barrier right yeah right this seems i'm not i'm not really now and i don't want to speculate too much but he is like insisting that he's a british citizen he right. won't sign it because it doesn't have sir alfred which is preferred names are important but if it's going to get him out of the airport i don't know um so his refusal to sign the documents was a big frustration to his lawyer who was working for free and thus dropped his client after he did all this work and made him this plan. And so now because he wouldn't sign anything, he remained at the airport. One journalist in particular took interest in his story as it started to spread. And his name was Andrew Duncan. Okay. Did you have any reporters? No. No. How long did it feel like um, Tom Hanks was stuck at the airport? Or did they tell you? They did tell me. And it was like, I think maybe a year and a half. Mm. Yeah. The journalist, Andrew Duncan, he sat down with Sir Alfred at the airport. And they talked together specifically in this time about their journals or his journals. Stacks and stacks of completely filled out diaries. Duncan said, quote, there must be 10,000 pages here. To which Alfred replies, more because I write on both sides to save paper. So yeah, it's 10,000, but I read it on both sides, so it's kind of 20,000 pages. It's it's just his journals, like his ramblings. Well, yeah, and like what he's doing every day and like how he's spending his time and people he meets or just, I don't know, everything. Okay. If you have no one to talk to and nothing to do and every day is the same exact thing, I mean, when you think about it, we do that with social media somewhat. Like, he's making notes of his day. We take pictures of the things we're doing. and mm-hmm. So, I guess if I didn't day, have yeah. anything, yeah, I would document it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because Sir Alfred is restricted to the confines of the airport, he has to rely on the kindness of others, kind of like we talked about, for special things like notebooks, which he really needs. And he gets these from his friend, the airport doctor. Oh, that's kind of the only thing I had about him making friends at the airport. Other like um, airport people giving him or buying him McDonald's, stuff like that. Sure. 
Years have passed at this point, and Nasiri or Sir Albert has never gone outside. Never had the feeling of the sun hitting his skin or fresh air brushing up against his face for 18 years. Did you say 18? 18, yeah. Yeah. Originally, he arrived in 1988, and his stay only ended because he was rushed to the hospital in July of 2006 from the airport. (laughs) Your speech. What? I keep thinking you're frozen on the camera. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. (coughs) That is not the movie I watched. (laughs) Eight. years is the lifespan of like that's how long you like that's how long you're in high school no that's exactly what I was thinking 18 years is the longest time that I have lived in a home ever in my life right like from when I was a baby to when I moved out of high school I never moved me either he lived in the airport for just as long as we lived in our childhood homes Never going outside. Uh, I can't like, I can't process what that would do to a person to yeah. not be outside for that amount of time. That's why what he, I, he says like Sir Albert and stuff, and this is what he prefers. And I'm like, I'm just going to say what he wants because I don't even know like what he has gone through, like the mental kind of torture of that. Right. So I couldn't really find a clear reason as to why the hospital reason was needed. Oh. Maybe there's a couple guesses. Only having access to like vending machine packaged food, Mm. McDonald's, recycled oxygen for almost two decades. Well, there's no dentist at the airport. No, or doctor. There's. Yeah. Well, you said there was an airport doctor, but it's not like a checkup doctor. I'm assuming oh, it's not like he no. makes an I mean, appointment. He could probably have gotten checked up, but it's like for someone just had a heart attack in the airport. Right. It, uh, yeah. We're not taking patients on a Tuesday. <laughs> no, no, they're not on ZocDoc. <laughs> no, for sure not. <laughs> not sponsored. Uh, you mentioned the doctor. My next line is about him. Um, I don't have his name though. So the doctor for the airport well. in the nineties who had worried about Sir Albert's health for years as it declined said that in the airport, you could become, quote, a fossil here. Mm. Just like drying up from no freshness or like, I don't know. Have it's you had so airport sterile. water recently? No. Do you remember the taste of airport water? Like from a water fountain? Yeah. No. It's nasty. Ugh. And that's what he used to bathe, shower, brush his teeth, everything. Yeah. For 18 years. So just going back a little bit in this timeline, a couple years, the story of a man living in an airport for almost 20 years spread like wildfire. And in 2013, nope, 2003, Steven Spielberg bought the rights to Sir Albert's life and the basis of the film, or, and this became the basis of the film, The Terminal. Yeah. Loose base. Loose base. But he did, the reason that it works is Steven Spielberg did buy the rights to this man's life. And right. then this movie so, comes out. So Right. He took the idea of, what if someone is trapped in an airport? But here's the reality of what actually that means for someone. Um, 
Nowhere in the film does our real person, Sir Albert, make an appearance or is mentioned. Mm. But he was reportedly very excited about the movie's release. And even their pictures, I'll send you one for the Insta, of him carrying around the movie poster for the film in the airport. Someone had either brought it to him or it was in the airport or whatever. Oh, right. Because he was in the airport at the time of the film's release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They made a movie about me. Here I am. Exactly. Even though the film was inspired by his own story, Sir Albert had no chance of seeing the movie in cinemas because he was legally restricted to the grounds of the airport. I keep forgetting that it's not just that he doesn't want to leave. It's right. that he can't leave. Yes. But we'll get there, actually, very quickly. It, right oh. now, it's still legal, but just you wait. Just you wait. With the help of the journalist from earlier, Andrew Duncan, Nasiri co-writes his autobiography, The Terminal Man, which was published in January of 2004, the same year as the film. But I believe before the film came out. Mm. So he went to the hospital, remember, in 2006. We're back in that timeline. Now, towards the end of January 2007, Sir Albert left the hospital and was looked after by the airport's branch of the French Red Cross. And they put him up in a, for a few weeks in a hotel that's close to the airport. So he's finally in like a room with a bed. Okay. Thank God, after 18 years. And on March 6th, 2007, he was transferred to a homeless shelter in a suburb of Paris. Is that better? Well, they couldn't keep him in a hotel forever. That was just temporary while they found a house for him or a space for him. So our reporter puts it beautifully. And I just wanted to give him another quote here because he helped write the book as well. He said, I wondered what it was like for him. His identity had been entirely based on being the guy in the airport. And now he was that guy who used to be in the airport. Hmm. As of 2008, he had been in and out of that shelter and eventually made his way back into Paris, sometimes sleeping on the streets. With nowhere or no one to go to, Sir Albert turns to the only place that he's found sanctuary in the last 20 years. No. The Charles de Gaulle Airport. Now returning of his own free will. Yeah. Well, I guess on its streets or shelter... Yeah, and it's been his home for 20 years, basically. I was doing this research, and I was like, this is the saddest story I have ever researched. This poor man. And there was like a moment of like, maybe at the beginning he used the riot thing with this at the university as a reason to get out of the country. That was kind of my speculation of it, is maybe he was like, I want to get out of Iran this can get me into the UK. So I'll just say they deported me and it was never true ever. Mm. Then he just got into this or maybe he he did get deported randomly and no other student did dot, dot, dot. But this never should have happened. This is a horrible situation. No. And now he feels like his only option is to come back to the airport. He comes back to his red bench, unpacks his bags and returns home. Don't say that. (laughs) I know. 
just last year on November 12th, 2022. Yeah. Around midday, emergency services were called to the airport because Moran Karimi Nasiri, or Sir Albert, had suffered a heart attack in Terminal 2F. Police and medical team were not successful in saving him. He died in the, in the airport. airport. I wrote one. My last sentence is, he passes away inside the airport he was forced to call home. And that's the end of the story. I've never been sadder. <laughs> I know. You pushed this to a night recording and I was like, I'm going to go to sweep and I'm going to quiet myself to sweep thankful that I'm not in the terminal. I like kind of feel like I'm going to cry right now thinking about it. I see it in your eyes. I know. It's so sad. Let me, bef- okay. Let me, let's, let me tell you what I saw. Can okay. I tell you what I saw? Yeah. Let my tears dry up, please. Okay. This man gets a day pass in my movie, Tom Hanks. It's been maybe a year and a half. Okay. Of living in this airport. He's dating Catherine Zeta-Jones occasionally. <laughs> there, his friends throw them a dinner on the patio of the United Private Club members area. So he did go outside briefly. Okay. And then he got a day pass to go into New York City so that he could get a famous jazz musician to sign a piece of paper <laughs> that he could put in a little tin can. That he'd been carrying around full of other jazz musicians because it was his father's dream. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of things. <laughs> Very nothing. little of what you talked about I watched. Except for a man stuck in airport I can't yeah. leave for yeah. a period of time. Yeah, but not 18 years. And then that's not even including... That's not when, including he goes back. When he goes back, which was after some time in 2008, and then... Until 2022. Yes, 2022. He's in and out of that airport. I I might have passed him. I might have flown into that airport when I was in France, and it was like 2012. Yeah. 2012. Charles de Gaulle Airport. It's in Paris, right in the middle of the city. I'm Not almost middle. positive that is the airport we flew into. I could have met he him. He was there. Yeah. He was the I mean, I'm never certain about anyone's location except for this man. He was there at that time. Wow. Wow. It's just an unbelievable story. And it's been so long since I had watched that movie that I forgot how different it was. I knew that the country was wrong and that it was more of like a kind of Eastern European country instead of a Middle Eastern country. Did you remember the war aspect? No, I didn't. And I can't believe he falls in love with the flight attendant. Yeah, and she, who's having an affair with a married man. <gasps> and she goes back to the married man. So sorry, Tom Hanks. Catherine did not want you. Wait, she's having an affair with the married man and she's falling in love with Tom Hanks? The married yeah, the affair is the married on the married man's end. Oh, she's not married. She's not married. I understand. But she's like seeing all these pilots and tr- frequent flyers and <laughs> she's got those miles. She's meeting up. Well, she's the flight attendant. We so. didn't say this, but do you have a decision you'd like to oh. stamp on this movie? Yeah, it's BS. <laughs> yeah it's bs yeah correct it's bs 
Um, as much as I did enjoy this movie, I liked the nostalgia aspect. I loved how much I fell in love with the characters and their relationships with each other. And I was rooting for different things I never thought I would. But I was also just like, there's no way an airport would ever let a man build a fountain in the construction area that's supposed to be under rat. Like he builds a whole fountain for Catherine Zeta-Jones. He's also an engineer. Yeah. Like, (laughs) okay. How convenient. There's no way. No. No. And I, okay. If I had the option to create a foundation or charity, I hesitate to say this because there are a lot of things that are important that money should go to. But if I could create one and my money could go to anywhere, it would be a fund that would go to anyone who's ever had a movie or TV show based on them should not be stranded in an airport living unhoused. Correct. A million dollar movie. A Steven Spielberg movie. Do you know how much he got paid? I saw a number that was 203, $203,000. Is that how you say that? 203,000. Yeah. Which sounds like a lot when you like first think about it, but then when you think about like just one lump sum though, just yes. And I also don't even know like if he received that or if he did what type of for a certain person, like giving them a stack of money isn't going to do anything like at a certain mental state, like it could mean nothing to you. You're just living your life. So I don't really know. It seemed like it didn't have any impact on his life. If it got to him, he remained, came back to the airport. Right. Well, because also when he got that money, supposedly, was when he was still technically forced to be there legally. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like... And he doesn't have a bank account there? Like, what? Right. where did the money go? He just got a piece of paper? Did you bring it to the airport? Like, (laughs) what... (laughs) I don't know. It's just like such a horrible, tragic story of this man's life, I think. Whether or not yeah. he got himself into the mess in the first place, like it's a horrible outcome. How can we let people be like, I don't understand how we just let people slip through the cracks like that. Yeah, we kind of should probably mention it. It's like this case is not unique if we expand it to like people seeking asylum or like refugee, like even though they might not be trapped in an airport, they're also trapped in like different asylum camps or refugee camps. Right. That look just like an airport, you know? Yeah. And have less accommodations than an airport possibly. For sure. Yep. Yep. Because as much as it sucks, like he did have what he had unlimited water and clean clean water. And he wasn't, in danger of other people really mm-hmm. so ugh, not horrible. to make us think about more sad things but i just had to also mention like it's still kind of happening right now yeah it is and at this time of year too <sighs> you know it's it's the time when we gotta give and i, I know we were gonna stay away from holiday related things but <laughs> Are you going to tell me what I'm going to watch next week? Yeah. Please. I'm excited for a movie. It's the Christmas Choir. (laughs) 
The Christmas Choir. Is this a fucking Lifetime movie? Please say yes. I think it's Hallmark. Good. Yay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it is available on Prime, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Beautiful. I like, didn't want to pick one that you could only watch on live television at a specific day. <laughs> <laughs> True. That makes it difficult. So you are watching the Christmas Choir. I had. Nev- I've never seen this movie. I had not heard of this. I did. I do. I did pre research. So we're good. Okay, it's actually <laughs> based on it's, something. Yeah. Yes, I was like, you know what? It's coming out right before Christmas. We might as well. Yeah, I love it. I'm actually and a little bit excited. Thank God we need it after this. So <laughs> this is the saddest episode ever. The saddest episode I've ever done. We'll post some, I have some really um, sad pictures to send you of him in the airport with like the terminal poster on his red bench. And we will post those on our Instagram at yeah. bias or BS. Yeah. And uh, if you find any of the things that Zach said, if you prove them, you know, if you find information... Yeah. New information, you can email us that information at basebiasedorbs at gmail. Please do. Dot com. Dot, is there a dot? <laughs> I, is there a dot com? <laughs> yeah, they're all. What? In every single oh. email ever born to man, <laughs> there's a dot com. I was trying to picture it in my brain and I was like, no, dot coms are for websites, Maddie. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you psyched yourself out. But then I was an out, idiot. But then you idiot anyway. yourself. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. It gave us a good laugh at the end of the episode because we needed it. Yeah, we did. I'm scared to ever go to an airport again. What if I get trapped? Well, at least you know that there's water and snacks. And filet of fish. <laughs> with mm, the salt packet. Airport filet of fish with some salt. <laughs> I need to drink some water. I'm probably so fucking dehydrated. I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> for a filet of fish <laughs> me too i'm gonna open up grubhub immediately as we leave okay that's all we got for you so uh stay tuned next week for a little a little christmas time get together we're having i'm gonna wear a cute sweater <laughs> yeah you probably should <laughs> okay i'll see you then okay goodbye, goodbye. your flight we're is departing. now departing <gasps> oh my god <laughs> we had the same idea <laughs> Yours was better. <laughs> Yours was better. I should have <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yours was better. <laughs> I just said departing. <laughs> okay, now goodbye. Um, Steven, Mr. Spielberg. I don't know why I said Steven, Mr. Spielberg. Mr. Steven Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) Switched that one around, did ya? You got scared. He's a big name. I know. What am I, what am I saying? Like, we're not on a first name basis. What am I doing? Okay. Steven, Mr. Spielberg. Okay, so... (laughs)